0: We took our kids to Europe every year for their first 20 years. They didn't always want to go, and sure cut into our adult activities, and it cost quite a bit of money. But in retrospect, it was well worth the sacrifice, the money, and it actually gave us lifelong memories that we cherish to this day. And I consider taking your kids on the road to be good parenting. There are lots of challenges and questions about taking kids into foreign countries, and we're joined today by two well-traveled moms for some practical advice. We'll talk about how to travel well with your kids in that childhood sweet spot, somewhere between the ages of 5 and 10, 5, 11, something like that. We're joined by European tour guide Tina Hiti from Slovenia and Ashley Steele, who's the co-author of a book called 100 Tips for Traveling with Kids in Europe. Ashley and Tina, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you, Rick. Thank you. So
0: you've been at this for a little while. Ashley, how old are your kids now? They are now 14 and 17. So you've had a little experience traveling with kids abroad and Tina, how old are your kids? 9 and 7 now. 9 and 7. So if you think back on that beautiful time, I think, you know, five, you know, little tiny kids, that's a different story. I mean, I always joke when when they have little toddlers and people say where should we take our kids? I say to grandma and grandpa's on the way to the airport <laughs> so you can have, you know, a break from the kids when they're little mm-hmm. tiny toddlers. But after 5 or 6, I think it becomes a little more realistic. Tina, they're right in that mm-hmm. age right now. What is one of the the joys of travel you can remember?
2: I think one of the biggest joys is that you see worlds through their eyes, and it's so much more colorful, and it's just happier, and, you know, certain things that they see, it's just different, because I've been traveling through Europe a lot, being a guide, and, you know, I know a lot of the places where we went. We always chose a destination where we have already been, so it didn't bring any nervousness that we're not seeing everything as adults. As adults, that's So we were idea. totally yeah. relaxed with whatever they wanted to do, and that's what we did afterwards. So you but,
0: went to a place where you didn't have a big agenda as adults yes, of things to yes. accomplish. And yeah. if you think back, what do your children talk about? What are some of the memories you realized? And you didn't know at the time, but you get home, and, oh, that had a real impact on
2: Oh, you. yeah, we still talk about the Eiffel Tower. It's still one of their favorite things. We, we have a little joke aside, and we say, oh, it's the big... Metal piece standing out there. What is that? (laughs) And they will always remember how we were warming up our butts up on Mount Etna in Sicily. And they still talk about how cool that was. It was so cold.
0: Yeah, I warmed up my butt on the top of Mount Etna. (laughs) And even as an adult child, that was something I'll never forget.
2: It's a fun memory. Ashley, when you
0: think back on when your kids were in this uh, grade school age, what are some of the things that they recall vividly and and still talk about to this day that you're glad as a parent you you helped them experience?
1: I think that having all those cohesive family memories is one of the best parts of all our travels. So we have this shared stories of they really love these sausages on the street in Vienna where you poked a hole in a loaf of French bread and put the sausage in the bread. And it's something so small, and it's not really that exciting now, but as a kid, it was fantastic. You you put the sausage in the bread.
0: (laughs) I know what you mean. And and, um, even Little Candies, my kids were... Mm -hmm. They have these... um, Chocolate eggs in Europe with a can- mm-hmm. with a toy kinder inside. Oh, kinder yeah. eggs. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Tell They's... me a kinder egg story.
1: Well, they, they, my kids love kinder eggs, and apparently you're not supposed to have them in the U.S. because they're a toy encased in food or something. Oh, dangerous. So every uh. time, even just a trip to Canada, they are the first thing on their mind is kinder eggs. We can be risky. We yeah, can have toys Yeah, it's crazy, in our just crazy,
2: yeah. Tina,
0: kinder eggs with your kids?
2: Well, We're Europeans, so we get them all the time. But let's say the biggest excitement in food was when we were in Tuscany. It was their first gelato that they ever ate when they were little. And I still vividly remember uh, the little one was still a toddler. He was in a stroller, and he was doing "Mm, mm, 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 so good. Oh, so he even appreciated a good (laughs) gelato. Yes.
0: You know, when you're a parent planning a family vacation, you have a lot of decisions, really fundamental decisions, about what itinerary are you going to do. Ashley, what are some tips? Uh, You've written 100 tips for traveling with kids in Europe. What itineraries make sense for a family?
1: I think that a balance between what I call the icons, the things everybody's heard of, and your kids, you know, they want to see a few of those because those are what they can tell their friends about. They can put Mm -hmm. them on social media. They get very excited. But you also want some time to see really Europe, to be in Europe. I mean, there are no... Very few Parisians at the Eiffel Tower. So you really want some time, perhaps in a small town, a little time to get lost, to do nothing.
0: Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I found that one of the best family tips we took was split between Venice and the Cinque Terre. Perfect. So you got Venice, which is all the sightseeing, and the great churches, and unforgettable city, great for kids if they can swim. And then <laughs> on the, it's a direct train line over to the Cinque Terre, the Italian Riviera. Free time on the beach and hiking through the vineyards. It was wonderful. Another great itinerary we had was pick up the family at the airport in Vienna, do all the stuff in the Alps, and finish the trip with your rental car in Zurich in Switzerland. And it's just nonstop fun in the mountains. Do you know what's the favorite itinerary you had for your family?
2: Well, probably when we went and traveled through France for about 16 days mm-hmm. and we did the whole loop, we wanted to visit a friend and we kind of added a few things into that. So we added a few mountain hikes. We added a few big cities, a couple of castles, and then just a relaxed, chill time to be with friends.
0: Like Ashley says, a balance. Yes, a balance uh, I think that's between good. everything. I think adults can yeah. just jam through a lot yeah. of museums and great cities. But to have a balance is a good idea, Ashley.
1: We took a tour following Salvador Dali. Uh, it was mm-hmm. unplanned, and we ended up in Figueres, where his mausoleum is. And it's a crazy place. I mean, wow. kids might be intimidated by some kinds of art museum, but... You know, building with Salvador eggs Dali on top Museum. and that would cars be, with plants yeah. growing out of it. I mean, it really exciting. And then we ended up in Kadakes, where he, you can visit his house and also sit mm-hmm. on the beach and,
0: and paint th- rocks. That's a way to get the kids engaged in the art, and it's Salvador Dali. You know, it's, it's wild. This <laughs> is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking taking your child to Europe. We're talking with Tina Hiti and Ashley Steele, who writes a book called 100 Tips for Traveling with Kids in Europe. Our phone number is 877 333 And James is calling in from Blackstone, Massachusetts. James, do you have some experience you've learned from traveling with kids in Europe? Well, hi, Rick. Uh,
2: This is actually going to be our first time traveling with our children and grandchildren. And uh, obviously, when it's just adults, it's a little bit easier uh, as far as, you know, the pace and things like that. My wife and I have traveled to Europe uh, on a few occasions, but this will be the first time with our older children, and they're five- and ten-year-olds, so we were not quite sure as far as the pacing. We figured we were going to have to kind of cut it back, but we also wanted to keep it interesting for them as well. We're going to be spending four nights in Rome and four nights in Athens.
0: Whoa, those are pretty demanding cities, so you're going to have to be on the ball as parents and grandparents. Ashley, what's some advice if you got a 5-year-old and 10-year-old and you, you want to keep them engaged and, and safe and not exhausted in Rome and Athens?
1: There are so many fun places in Rome. I mean, there's fountains and then there's the the ruins where they race the Roman chariots. I think most kids mm-hmm. are pretty excited about those kinds of looking at the Colosseum and hearing stories about what really happened there.
0: And you write in your book the importance of preparing before the trip so the kids know what they're going to see. That would be critical for both Rome, ancient Rome, and Athens.
1: Yes. And I think for a 5- and 10-year-old preparing for ancient Rome, learning about you know what the ancient Romans did and mm-hmm. mythology is not too complicated. I think kids love that kind
0: of stories. Re- remember, James, it's hot and it's crowded in both of those destinations. So it's critical that you get reservations in advance when you can get an early start and stay out late and try to avoid all the cruise groups and so on that pack those two cities during the middle of the day. Does that make sense? Yes, it does, very much. Yeah, for the kids to know a little bit about, you know, the Acropolis before they climb up to that hill is going to make a huge difference. It is worth considering if you've got a family hiring a private guide who can tailor the experience to the kids' interests. And I know the guides who are friends of mine Mm -hmm. in Europe love to take families around because you can organize your tour to the interests of the kids and it actually becomes more fun for the parents, too. Tina, any thoughts on that?
2: Yes, I agree with that completely. With the kids, it's good that you plan well. The one thing I think as parents we all need to know is that sometimes we plan too big of an agenda Mm -hmm. and we get a little stressed when we don't Mm. check all the boxes. And I think when you're traveling with kids, you have to know that half of those boxes will be unchecked because you just can't do it all. And I think what's important is really giving the kids the highlights assuring that they will see whatever they've seen on television, preparing them for the big sites, giving them books beforehand, actively make them think about what they are seeing. For example, what I always do when I travel with kids, we do travel journal, but it's not just a journal. We call it ragdish journal, and we do paint inside. We take stones, we put a little mud on the papers, we do a scavenger hunt. So when you see that there's interest spam Mm. is going lower... You can pull that journal out and sit in a nice park and just do something fun with it, and it's all of you. All the family members are doing something fun with it.
0: I love that because it's tactile. It's yes. got, I, I used to send postcards home, and I would put a little bit of sauerkraut under the postage yes. stamp. Yes, yes, so good, <laughs> so good. I, I would send some sauerkraut home and talk about the sauerkraut and put a chocolate stain yes. on it and so You on. can
2: make a stain lock if you want of all the foods you've eaten, and the kids love it because it's something... You know, parents were so many times so serious at home. Yeah. And when we go traveling, we can be a little goofy and kids like that. Ashley, and
0: any thoughts about journaling for
2: small well, kids? I
1: love journaling with small kids. Mm-hmm. And we bring just in a big Ziploc bag, a mm-hmm. tape and some scissors mm-hmm. so we can Very stop important. anywhere and just yeah. cut out the picture from the
0: brochure, yeah. tape it yes. right in. Glue stick, We haven't put kind of stains
1: of, of food yet, but I think we're going to even yeah. Yeah. next trip, even <laughs> if I don't have kids. Take that home sounds great. Take some
0: sauerkraut. <laughs> All right, James, there's some ideas for you.
1: Thank you so very
0: much. Have a great time and what a wonderful uh, kind of uh, grandparenting and parenting to take the kids to Rome and Athens when they're five and nine years old. And Scott's calling from Reno. Scott, thanks for your call. Hi, thanks for taking my call, Rick. Yeah. My wife and I are going to be taking our five-year-old and eight-year-old uh, to Nice soon. I'm actually going to be racing a triathlon and this will be my our kids' uh, first trip to Europe. I was wondering what of strategies you might recommend to help our kids encounter and deal with both jet lag and I think the culture shock. Uh, we're going to be mm. arriving in Nice. It was really our first stop after connecting in London. So wondering for a 5-year-old and 8-year-old what might be some good strategies. So, Ashley, every time you take your kids to Europe, they're dealing with 8 or 9 hours, 10 hours of culture Absolutely. shock. How does a child, let's see, how old are your kids, Scott? A uh, 5-year-old daughter and an 8-year-old son. Perfect. Okay. So it's tough for kids to deal with jet lag. Uh-
1: I think that the kids are going to start to fall asleep and wake up at the right time slowly. And the most important thing is for the parents to stick with the kids. When the parents try to get rid of jet lag on their own, they end up exhausted Mm. because the kids are going to sleep when the kids are going to sleep. So helping them go to bed at the right time waking them up a little early in the morning, that's great, but you need to also then go to bed. So do you
0: try to keep people awake on the first day until early bedtime? Yes, always. I think I think that's critical. I remember once uh, in Italy uh, noticing uh, my wife and I were having a particularly sane and peaceful dinner, and we looked over, and, and my son was literally sleeping face down in his spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> and it was jet lag. You know, it's just hard for the kids to stay up because they don't know what's going on. But they need to somehow... Adjust And uh, the sooner you can get to European time, the better. But I like Ashley's point of if the parents overcome it quicker than the kids, you really haven't accomplished much.
1: There's some fun things in Europe. People tend to stay out later and have a nice late dinner. And maybe at home that's difficult. But if you let jet lag work in your favor, you can wake up really early when the kids wake up early and see dawn or stay out for those
2: nice uh, dinners.
0: Tina, any thoughts about uh, culture shock and jet lag for the kids?
2: I would say for the culture shock, I always try to ask the kids So what do you feel that it's different over here? Mm -hmm. Do you recognize something that people do here differently than we do? And I try to explain why. And I think they then are more attentive or just, you know, their attention span is bigger when you say, this is not like home. And then you explain why it's not like home. So make
0: it part of the conversation. Yeah, And in every town we've talked about with kids so far, Rome, Athens, and now with Scott and Nice, wonderful promenades where Mm -hmm. you can be out make a point has got to be out when everybody's walking and strolling and then it's sort of like a cultural scavenger hunt and you can walk with the kids and go oh what's that over there you'll find some street Mm -hmm. musicians and and entertainers in the street that's a lot of fun you can eat some street food and uh, you know introduce yourself gradually to the culture they have different money look at this and who's on the money oh it's not it's not president lincoln and, and the so language
2: on. as well. You and, know, talk talk them the basics of the language and see how and they roll their it. tongues yeah. and use it. And let's go to the shop and let's buy it and let's be locals. I, I remember when we were in France... We were in this small village, and everybody was walking with a baguette, and our little son was like, "Why, Mom, everybody's walking with a baguette. And I just said, Do you want to walk with a baguette, too? So we just went and bought a baguette. <laughs> and, and what I would
0: do is I'd, I'd, yeah. give, I'd give my son the money to yeah. buy the ba- yes. baguette, and yeah. I'd stand back yes. <laughs> and, and remember. Yes. It's an adventure they'll never forget. Yeah. And
1: people are so kind to kids everywhere, oh, they so are. that's really fun. I was going to suggest also finding a playground close to where you're staying mm-hmm. so that your kids can have a small—I mean, playgrounds are pretty similar everywhere, and— There are some really cool, different kinds of play structures in Europe. So giving them that little break from the cultural... Immersion into just a regular old playground and running, getting dirty.
0: You wrote an article, fascinating article, about five practical tips for kids in Europe. And your fifth tip was uh, go beyond the monuments, experience the real life. And you mentioned as a parent, go to the playgrounds, because the Mm -hmm. playgrounds themselves can be a cultural experience.
1: Well, some of the playgrounds in Europe, I think, have a different sense of safety. So maybe kids are allowed to climb higher. A lot of emphasis on kids getting really dirty. There's a playground in Vienna with just... They put water in to make mud so the kids can play in the mud on purpose. Wonderful um,
0: fountains, and it'll be very hot in the summer. There's yes. fountains, obviously, well, we got them here, but designed for kids to run in, and that's just a hit for every kid. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, of course, they interact with each other language-free, yeah. uh, here or there, and that makes them you know, feel at home.
0: Parents should remember that all over Europe, they make beaches in the summer, in the cities. <laughs> yes. Paris has a huge beach all along the Seine River. Every big city in Scandinavia has fake beaches with mm-hmm. with fake palm trees and Mai Tais and kids building Zen castles. And it's important for a parent to be a little bit uh, industrious about finding out what is available now. What are the current events mm-hmm. for the kids? Uh, Scott, you've got an exciting uh, adventure coming up with your kids, it sounds like. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. We're going to stay near the Promenade des Anglais. so I Well, that's, that's perfect. Good. And, you know, you can rent bicycles there, and you can bike all the way out to the airport. There's a bike path that arcs right along that beautiful bay. And, um, you know, renting bikes was oh, something excellent. that we always opt for with our kids, and, and the kids loved it. Have a good time, and uh, good luck with your triathlon. <laughs> that's going to be uh, give you a special memory in Nice. Thanks very much. Appreciate right. it, Rick. Okay, happy travels. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking taking your child to Europe, and we're joined by Tina Heaty, who's got a 9-year-old and a 7-year-old, and Ashley Steele, who's got right now a 14- and a 17-year-old, and with all that experience, that's 30 years when you put it together <laughs> of kids traveling. You've written a book called 100 Tips for Traveling with Kids in Europe. You know, I am so committed to the value of travel, and when it comes to parenting and, and, and raising kids, that is just as important as ever. Tina and Ashley, let's just finish with a, a thought you've had as a parent, or even as a child, the value of having a passport and getting out there out of your little childish comfort zone. Tina.
2: Yeah, I would say the best experience for me was when we went to Ortizia in Sicily, mm-hmm. and we just kind of hanged out in front of the main church on the square, and there was this little boys playing football. And the boys just came to us and said, Mom, can we go? And I'm like, yeah, of course you can go. They played football for three hours, and we just enjoyed watching them. We got a bottle of wine, we drank wine outside, watched them play, and I thought, look, these kids, they don't speak the same language, they don't come from the same background, but...
0: Slovenian, and, uh, you know... It, it, it was it, just Sicilians. incredible. It what was like,
2: I thing. looked at them and I'm like, I was so happy.
0: Ah, that's joy.
1: I was really proud after one of our first trips to Europe, and we'd been to several countries, and when we came back, someone asked my older daughter at the time what she wanted to do when she grew up, and she said, I want to learn every language in the world. And I hadn't heard anything like that from her before, but I realized, you know, having traveled through a bunch of languages, she realized the limitation of only speaking English. And she wanted to be able to speak with everyone.
0: She had an appetite for the world. Yeah.
1: And so that came from our trip. It was pretty exciting.
0: That is beautiful. And then I think any parent realizes 20 years later that little things that you think are insignificant that happen on the road, they stick with those kids. Mm -hmm. And they pop out where you least expect them. And you realize all of that travel really was contributing to a well-adjusted, broad-minded individual. Ashley Steele? Tina Hiti thanks so much and uh, I think we've been able to inspire a few parents to get their kids out there on the road and experience the world hope so
2: Yeah. Yeah. thank you
0: each year Rick Steves Tour Guides take thousands of free-spirited travelers on escorted tours through Europe one small group at a time this year you can choose from more than 40 different vacations in Europe's best destinations from Ireland to Greece and practically everywhere in between begin your next trip at ricksteves.com.